let's go to the numbers you need to know. That was really bad. I'm sorry you had to listen to that. But oh well, let's have some fun with this podcast. Uh, we'll keep it a little bit bright and uh, happy here today. Today we're going to talk a little bit about numbers you need to know that are super important. This is going to be one of those evergreen episodes that I think a lot of people are going to want to re-listen to and listen to a lot over time. If you're in the industry, if you are searching for your first home, uh, you're investing, everybody needs to know the key stats to make good decisions quickly. That doesn't mean you should make quick decisions without doing some research or some information, but sometimes you already have the backstory and you just need to know some important uh, numbers or payments or feedback. And so we uh, broke down a bunch of those today that I think you're going to find insightful because it's all based off of common questions that we get on a day-to-day -day basis. This is the YVR Remo Show, and you've got Derek Williamson, Dean Lawton, and myself, Alex McFadden. We are the owners and partners at Thrive Mortgage Co., and our goal is to help our clients create wealth in real estate, and more importantly, get people educated. We never learned how to do mortgage financing in school. We never learned real estate. Heck, we never learned anything to do with financing in school, and we need to change that. So. Um, our job is to really, our goal is to get on a platform and help as many people across the country as possible. So if you can share this episode, tag us, share it to a friend, leave us a review on iTunes. By the way, we give you a delicious uh, coffee and a mug if you do so, then we'd really appreciate that for what we do. We don't get uh, paid and our goal is to not necessarily just endorse our team, but more importantly, just make sure people are educated uh, from what we do. That being said, if you do want to find out more about working with us over at Thrive, send us a DM on Instagram at Thrive Mortgage Co. at the YVR Remo Show or check out our website, thrivemortgage.ca. Oh, that being said, enjoy the episode today. It's a good one. It's always a good one. We'll see you soon. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. All right, so we're going to start off the podcast today where we ended off the podcast last week talking about, unfortunately, vaccines and, and COVID. The only reason we're going to have a little bit of a start to the episode today to wrap this up is because literally the day after we recorded it, uh, passport news came out and there were a lot of questions that we've been receiving all week long, not so much about the bankers being mandated back to work, but like whether or not this passport is going to impact lenders ability to finance and we have some mixed answers on this and we're also going to let you guys know that a lot of this is still developing so a lot of interesting feedback going forward uh stay tuned though because this episode we're going to be talking about numbers that you need to know this is a one of those timeless episodes that we wanted to put together which cover a lot of key facts and stats around numbers that are just really helpful if you're buying or selling or in the industry that you can use to kind of educate yourself and make quick decisions on things. So it's really about sometimes making a decision that's uh, timely. And so our objective is to put you in a place where you can, you can do that. So uh, a week into it, guys, uh, vaccine passports mandated. I mean, I'll talk about the deal that I recently experienced, but uh, anything new or change from your guys' perspective or any different attitude in the air? I mean, it's kind of like when COVID first started, right? It's just another thing that people don't know anything about. What is it going to look like? Are open houses going to require vaccine passports? Like who knows, right? Who knows what impact this will actually have on the real estate market? Maybe there could be none. Um, but we know for a fact what we could see on the financing side, which could just be slower turnarounds at banks, everything that we dug into on the last uh, podcast, right? Yeah, for me, it's just the fear of the unknown, just not knowing what to, to expect, what to come. And again, all about 
really just kind of the same stuff that we went through with the pandemic, the fear of the unknown. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've personally experienced a little bit of this, at least uh, an indicating factor that it could come into play as it pertains to certain types of lending. Uh, private lenders are always a little bit uh, more sensitive to uh, what's happening in the market day by day, week by week, month by month, and uh, especially as it com comes down to like high value loans and property types. And so uh, recently had a, uh, a private lender let us know that this is going to be to a degree of fact in uh, their decision making around loans. Not that they're going to look for a passport or anything of that nature, but just overall how they feel about the market. And so it'll be curious to see how this progresses over the next few weeks and months and if it has any difference in the marketplace um overall but it seems like if you're still looking to to qualify for a loan um or anything of that nature at this moment right now there's literally zero change so don't stress about it and uh, don't worry about it and if anything does change we'll keep you top of mind and we'll uh look into that stuff for you so um another week another good day uh derek back from a nice vacation over uh in in ontario how was the wedding buddy i uh, i didn't expect thunder bay to be that fun but it was actually a really good time can't say I've ever been there, but <laughs> I'm sure it's uh, I'm sure it was a good time away to get off and get away from the computer. And and then Dean, uh, healthy again, uh, another week back. Um, glad that you're uh, glad that you're feeling good, feeling great. No COVID, so you're good from that side, which is fantastic. And we're all backing up and at it. Um, September is looking like it's going to be a little bit crazy. Um, how do you guys feel about the market going into the next few weeks and months here? Definitely seeing a lot more accepted offers. We've been talking about that internally with our team for the last two weeks. Market is picking up. A lot of, you know, lack of inventory being kind of the, the theme here and, and multiple offers, all that crazy stuff coming back. So I'm, my, I'm personally just expecting a lot more of the same. Yeah, we're seeing subject-free offers again, quite a few of them now. Um, and, you know, we work with a lot of really, really good realtors and, and a lot of them are telling us the same thing that people are holding off until the kids are back in school until they list. So we could see a wave of listings and we know there's a massive mountain of buyers that have been waiting, uh, waiting for the right property. So we could just see another uh, big upward tick, which will be good. I think everyone's had a bit of rest through the summer and we're prepared for it. So we'll see. Yeah, sure looks that way. Sure looks that way. As far as uh, listings out there, you're right. It's it's dry right now, but it sounds like everybody's coming back uh, after Labor Day. Hopefully, we get a big flush of listings, and all the buyers that are being hanging out in the sidelines have something to pull the trigger on, which would be uh, fantastic. Um, and then the crazy thing about all this is that interest rates have literally not changed in months. I mean, we saw a slight downturn on the variable rate discounts, so unbelievable opportunities for people who have bought you know in the last ten to to 18 months to refinance and drop their rates still. Uh, that's mind blowing in my opinion. Um, so that still hangs around. We don't know for how long though. Um, that's gonna probably come down to the election and you know what's gonna happen up there in the near future, but uh, things are moving. So let's get into it, shall we? So a big part of today is just walking through some key numbers and, and stats that are huge. We get asked on a day-to-day -day basis things like, hey, what does it cost for 100 grand for mortgage money? You know, things around, you know, what is the most common credit score I need to have? So these are numbers that you really need to know as you're kind of working your way off. And I'll kind of, you know, start it off with, uh, you know, facts that we probably need to know and talk about uh, all the time um, with every single client like we do, but people should know about this stuff around uh, term lengths and, and percentages and penalties and things of that nature, because that is something that's so, so, so important. Uh, you know, what is, one of the first stats that came to your mind when we were chatting, Derek, was how long do people uh, keep their existing mortgage for before breaking it? And why is that even important? Um, why don't you take it away there? 
Yeah, the the stat. So the average Canadian breaks their mortgage, which could be selling your house, refinancing, anything doing, anything to do with paying off that mortgage early. Uh, it's a little bit over three years, about three point two years. So if you have no clue what your future plans are, you don't know how long you're going to be there. You don't know if it's a forever home. You really just don't know. If you want to just follow stats, you're typically going to be better off taking a three or four year fixed to try to align that a little bit better. Um, a lot of times we see people, I mean, just look at the stats. If you're breaking your mortgage at 3.2 years, you've got a year and you know almost two years remaining. Uh, and on a fixed rate mortgage, that could trigger a massive, massive penalty. And those penalties, there's a lot that goes inside the calculation, but one of the key factors is how much time you have remaining in that term as well. So the closer you can get that to the end uh, will be helpful and it'll lower the cost of the penalty. Just a challenge with like a three-year fixed term or any type of fixed term, you know, when you, if you think, Hey, I'm going to sell my home in three years. Well, you're, you're tied to a very strict deadline in that case. And you, you know, and if you don't meet that deadline, you're rolling into another term and open, you know, an open term, which is going to be much higher in interest. So like, you know, trying to time a sale to an actual date in the future is extremely challenging. So key, key stat there is that most people break their term just over three years for refis, selling, divorce, death, you name it. And then the next key stat on top of that, which is why you know Derek brought that up, is uh, prepayment penalties, IRD penalties, especially in, we're talking about ones typically which come from the charter banks and some of the uh, no frills products. The average uh, IRD penalty based on the stats that we've run uh, when you do have that IRD is four and a half percent of the loan balance. So that means for every hundred thousand dollars you owe, if you break your mortgage at that 32 months, you're, you're possibly going to pay 4.5%. So that's $4,500 for every hundred thousand dollars that you owe. Now that's not an exact number. Again, that's kind of a leading stat just to give you an idea of where things commonly land, uh, for those prepayment penalties. So that's pretty big. Moving into um, the next piece right here and talking a little bit about things around loan to value, what you can borrow, what you can't borrow, um, refinancing, those types of things. Let's just jump into uh, most common ones right off the bat. I'll lead us off here. Uh, loan to value, first of all, is a percentage of your home value that you can borrow. So as an example, uh, when you put 5% down, technically it's 95% loan to value, just to kind of set the stage there. Um, this one is so commonly misunderstood, 80 80% is your number if you're looking to refinance or take new equity from your home. So for example, you bought your home for 500, uh, now it's worth 600,000 today. You can actually borrow up to $480,000, which is 80% uh, of your property value for uh, a refinance or equity takeout. Those are the, the typical numbers. Yeah, we get these questions a ton, right? Like people, you know, maybe you've had your house for a couple of years and the value has gone up. Uh, and people are like, hey, I've, I've gained a hundred thousand in property value, and I'd like to, you know, consolidate my car loan or pull some money out. But you got to keep that eighty percent rule in mind. You actually have to have more than twenty percent equity, more than twenty percent, to be able to pull some money out. Yeah. You always have to maintain twenty percent in the property. It, it may seem like real common sense math here for some, but I get this question a lot: is okay, so I can borrow eighty percent of the value of my home? Yes, less the mortgage. Just key point there less the existing mortgage <laughs> subtract that the difference is what you can borrow in addition to what you're already borrowing super key numbers super key numbers on that uh conversely speaking down payment percentages we just got this question tomorrow this morning uh so we get this question every single day we're not going to talk about who can do five percent or ten percent for the most part we'll just kind of get into the numbers so minimum down payment regardless if you qualify 
If you qualify for the program, the minimum down payment on a home up to 500,000 bucks is 5% down. That's a home that you uh, are buying uh, with the CMHC, Sagan, or Canada Guarantee. So 5% down is your number. You guys want to expand on the other numbers on the uh, down payment? Yeah, so 5% to the first 500,000. So anything over that, you're paying 10% of the balance. So 500,000, 5%, $25,000. We're, you know, we're buying a home for 600,000. There's a difference of 100K. That's going to require 10%. So that's an additional $10,000. That formula will work all the way up to $1 million. And once we exceed 1 million, we're looking at a 20% down payment minimum. And is I wish it was black and white as, as I just explained, but depending on where you're buying, Fraser, you know, deep into the Fraser Valley, Chilliwack area, those, that sliding scale can change. So whenever keeping you know whenever looking at property and thinking of down payment always check with us and make sure you're buying in an area that that formula is true yeah just to explain that sliding scale a little bit more um as an example coast capital savings they will do 20 percent. so if you're buying a property for over a million dollars they will do 20 percent down on the first million and then they want 35 percent down on the portion above a million and if you get into 1.5 million, it gets even, they want 50% down on that portion. So it can easily blow your down payment out of the water if you're trying to calculate a 20% down payment on a $1.5 million property. Um, and that's where, you know, it's really important to work with a broker because we know which banks can do 20% down on a $2 million purchase price. And we know which banks won't do that, right? So, um, you know, we helped some clients buy a property in North Vancouver for 1.95 and they were able to do 20% down uh, with one bank. There was only one bank that we would, that we could find to actually take that on. Lending areas, right? Like it, we, we talk about this a lot again internally with our team. Lending areas are so important. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of down payment, so 5% of the first 500% uh, down, 10% uh, of anything above that, 20% above a million dollars. Then you get the sliding scale, which again, we should probably do an episode just on explaining that in more detail. Um, other numbers typically, again, um, for uh, let's get into the insurance, I should say, because not then there's no typically uh, for insurance. So when you're buying a home with that 5% or 10% or 15%, you have to pay for this insurance. Now, this insurance is regulated. So the, the price of the insurance remains the same whether or not it's through Sagan, Canada Guarantee, or CMHC. But the key numbers that you need to know are something we call premiums. A premium is basically the amount of insurance that you pay that goes on top of your loan um, when you're qualifying for that mortgage. So uh, really quickly to get into it, if you're putting 5% down on the home, you can expect that the insurance agency will charge you 4% of the loan amount and add that into your loan as an insurance premium. And then for every 5% over that, so 10% down, your insurance premium actually goes down. And then again, another 5% past that, your insurance premium goes down. Finally, when you get to 20%, a conventional qualified mortgage, which just means you qualify based on your situation, your income, you don't need any special programs. Uh, you do not need to pay for the insurance, but the lenders do. So those are the uh, key numbers, 5, 10, 15, and then 20 as it pertains to insurance premiums. Yeah, and these are big costs, right? Like when you run that calculation, 4% on a $500,000 mortgage is $20,000. 
right? So it's a, it's a big expense that you take on. Is that a reason not to purchase? I would say absolutely not because appreciation and principal pay down can easily outweigh that. Um, but it's something to consider. Uh, it does get wrapped into the mortgage. So it's not out of pocket. You're not having to increase your down payment or, or putting in any extra cash down. Um, but just, yeah, just wanted to show everybody a quick calculation on that. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, these are big expenses that people don't think about that, uh, that five, that 10, I tell clients every single day, like, Hey, if you're at, if you're at 9.5%, get that extra little bit to get to the 10, because that can save you again, almost 1% insurance premium, which could be five grand, right? Like a huge amount of money just for like a few thousand dollars in, in your down payment. So those are the magic numbers for you. Um, in regards to uh, down payment, so not down payment, payments in general, now this is a big one. Uh, when you're shopping, how many times, uh, I'm speaking to you guys, because I can count how many times, or I couldn't even try actually, uh, count how many times people have walked away from a property, or we've heard about it, because of a 5,000 or $10,000 difference in their payment and the re or the price, but they don't know the difference in the payment is what I'm trying to suggest. So a big one is what does $10,000 cost me on a mortgage? Now, obviously we got to put a little asterisk in there because it does depend on your terms or rates, but generally for a standard conventional qualified loan over 25 to 30 years, you're looking at about 35 to $40 for uh, 10 grand, right? So right now with a 30 year term, it's 35 bucks, right? So it's very, very minimal. So $35 a month, gets you an extra 10 grand and that could win you an offer on a property. And a lot of people, when you look at it from that perspective, I mean, uh, we went to uh, get some smoothies and stuff like that last week and it cost us more than 35 bucks for that uh, alone. And that's literally the, the, the difference that could have bought your home, right? It's yeah. a good point. Yeah, it's a really good point. Like, and what could that $10,000 become in appreciation if you, you know, look at this five years down the road, it's just a gigantic number that uh, you don't want to miss. One thing that I I get this a lot, somebody that uh, really believes in variable rate mortgages, I'm always taking a variable rate mortgage. So and we've talked about this in other episodes, but I get this a lot. Well, what if the rate goes up? And, you know, if we look at the history, we typically see a, a Bank of Canada increase of, of around 0.25%. That's usually what we're expecting when the Bank of Canada goes to raise prime rate, we can expect to see a change in our interest rate by about 0.25% when we get there. And so what does that mean? Like, what does that look like? Is that, you know, everyone's like, well, what if it goes to 7%? Like, what is this going to be? Like, you know, how is this going to, how is this going to impact my payments and my budget? Because a lot of people are purchasing on a very fixed budget. And so understanding what a potential increase can be is so important. And what we've, you know, going back to this 0.25, it's usually what we see when there's a change in the rate. And if we see a 0.25% increase, as an example, what is that going to be dollarized? And the math is it's about $12 a month per every $100,000. So your payment will go up by about $12 per month for $100,000 in mortgage money. So somebody to consider, you know, if you're carrying a $200,000 mortgage, you can expect your payment to change by $24 a month. And, and is that, can you weather that? And, and can we maybe weather a couple of those increases? And as a worst case scenario, you can start to feel as, okay, is this going to impact my budget or not? Yeah. And a couple other points on that is, you know, like the Bank of Canada, they make a rate increase. It's on the news. Everyone starts to panic, I find. And a lot of people will just call their bank and they want to lock in right away without really stepping back and looking at like, okay, well, where did the rates go to? Where did my payment go to? Because let's say there is a 0.25% rate increase and your payment goes up by 
$36 a month for a $300,000 mortgage. Well, you know, your variable might have gone from 1.5 to 1.75, right? But if you call in and you're going to convert into a fixed, right? So you really just need to step back and look at this and say, okay, well, how, how high can my, my rate and my payment really go before I'm uncomfortable? So a lot of times when we, you know, when we help our clients uh, decide on what type of rate and product they want to take on, uh, I tell everybody to double the interest rate. If you're getting a 1.5% variable and it goes to 3%, is that something that you can actually afford? Like that's pretty dramatic. It's rare that we see variables that high, but it's a really good exercise just to look at and say, yeah, you know, that's affordable for me. That's probably, probably your worst case scenario. So that's just one way to look at it. Yeah. And it makes, it, honestly, it makes a ton of sense in regards to just how you can budget that out and, and qualify that the $12 for every quarter percent for a hundred grand, that's huge right off the bat. Cause people think it's going to be, as you mentioned, Dean, um, you know, anywhere around, I hear people say everything from 500 bucks to, to a thousand bucks if they're borrowing 250 K and that's just not the case. Right. So huge, huge, huge numbers to know and, and very helpful. Um, getting into a few other key numbers and key points that we hear on a very regular basis would be around credit scores and the magic numbers. So be, let's be really clear, Derek, we're talking about generalization on numbers. We're not talking specifics here. So remember, if you're listening, reach out regarding your specific situation, because there are exceptions that can be had in unique circumstances, but you do have some kind of baselines that you can understand and have an idea of where you're at. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit to uh, the credit minimums that a lot of lenders now insured and uninsured. So why don't you just jump into the insured option first? Yeah. So insured is pretty picky on credit. Uh, it's not just a bank that we have to get on board with your application. The bank has to go and get an approval from the insurer to actually be able to issue a full on mortgage approval. So what they're looking for uh, is a 680 credit score. That is the magic number. That's where you want to be. Uh, you can go lower. Typically, the lowest that they want to see is 620, and that's an exception on a big exception if there's a very good reason, such as a separation, something that's out of somebody's control, and it's isolated, meaning that you know maybe it was one blip, but the last 20 years has been perfect. Uh, in some situations, you can go a little bit lower than 620, but it's very, very rare. A really, a really good thing to consider as well is it's not all about the credit score. You could have a 680 credit score right on the nose, but maybe you've had really poor credit history over the last you know, three years, but the last 12 months you've got your score up. They are going to look at the history of the credit report as well. And if they look at that and say, you know what, you've had three or four years of, of some really bad stuff going on, but it's, and it's been good for a year, they might say, come back in 12 months. We wanna see two years of clean credit history. So the score is definitely important, but we gotta kind of look at the whole picture. Yeah, so so key. And now, and what Derek's referring to here is what we call an insured mortgage. Typically, we're referencing when someone's putting less than 20% down as an insured mortgage. There are some programs where someone's putting 20 to 35% where there are, is insurance involved. But generally, as a rule of thumb, that would be uh, less than 20 down. Um, so with that in mind, uh, moving on to an uninsured uh, mortgage, there are different rules of thumb and it is lender dependent. So while we'd love to put a specific, you know, flat credit score number, I think the story obviously still is, is important. Um, some lenders will accept like banks and so forth will accept up to 600 or down to 600. If you have more than 20% down and a very good story as to why, 
they may ask for a co-applicant, but 600 is your bare minimum there. To be clear, there are other lenders after you have 20% down, alternative lenders and B lenders that will uh, play with your credit. And um, I don't know, I mean, typically below 500, there are very few lenders who will look at your application. So 500 is the magic number for nobody. <laughs> well, not nobody, but very few people to look at you from that perspective. Um, let's get into uh, rental numbers that are important. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about to the to the premium and we can dollarize that again too. Yeah, um, a lot of times if you're purchasing a property for the purpose of investment, meaning it's gonna be tenanted, you're not gonna live there. Most lenders, I'd say 99% of lenders will actually add a premium onto the interest rate. So if they're offering a 1.5 for an owner occupant, uh, 1.75, about a 0.25% or quarter point increase um, because there's more risk in a rental property for the lender. Uh, it's you know typically not going to be as well kept. Uh, you know Definitely higher risk from, from an insurance standpoint as well. So you typically are going to see a slight premium on that property. Now also keep in mind that mortgage interest is tax deductible on an investment property, right? So that's something that you can actually write off against the rental income at the end of the year. And again, 0.25% is not going to be a dramatic increase in your payment. And, to, and that is, as we mentioned, $12 uh, additional for every 100,000 you're borrowing. So very minimal. If that's breaking the bank, then uh, probably not a good rental property to look at uh, as far as we're concerned. Um, over and above that, uh, payment flexibility, there's some things that you can do to kind of um, budget yourself. So if you have a mortgage right now, whether it's for an investment, a rental, your home, a lot of people ask questions about uh, biweekly, accelerated, paying it down faster. And so there's some key numbers and facts that you should know around that. So just to, to hop on really quickly is, is the biweekly versus accelerated biweekly and what's the difference there? Accelerated bi-weekly basically in the most uh, simple terms means you're making one additional monthly payment towards principal each year. So you're basically taking 50% of your monthly payment and because there's 26 payments instead of 24, you essentially make one more monthly payment. So it's 26 versus 24 and 13 payments versus 12 if you look at it from that perspective. The word accelerated is key here. A lot of times people think that just a standard bi-weekly or standard weekly is going to achieve that same goal. Not the case. A lot of lenders will give you options to pay the same amount in 12 months, but it's just broken up into weekly, bi-weekly, semi-monthly or monthly. So it needs to be accelerated to take advantage of that and get some extra principal pay down. Super important. That's super important. I, we get asked that question literally on every probably second uh, purchase that we're doing, especially for first time buyers. So if you've already got yourself into a monthly payment, clarify with your lender if they're doing an accelerated or non-accelerated bi-weekly payment, depending on your goals. Uh, speaking of which, there were some uh, numbers that we had in regards to the difference between um, uh, fixed and variable. So uh, right now, a lot of people are trying to figure out, should I go fixed, should I go variable? So we talked about the penalties and the advantages of going variable from that perspective. But what about just budgeting your payments and an option for that what we suggest with our clients? Uh, Derek, why don't you take it away? Yeah, so I mean, if you look at a 1.45 variable, which is fairly standard, comparing it to a 2.3% fixed rate, which again is fairly standard depending on the term, you're about 42 bucks a month difference hundred thousand it can definitely add up but <clears throat> it just depends on what you're most comfortable with with the product yeah I, I would I would agree here and you know as we uh, continue on with uh, some of the tips on this I mean guys there's some really key stuff that we've talked about here today that is 
probably going to have a huge impact on what you do on your financing or for your clients financing if you're in the real estate industry. Uh, the last couple numbers that I think are really key and maybe we'll do a future episode more on stats and so forth are uh, years. So years of amortization is again, another daily thing that we get up and the magic number is uh, 20 and 30 in this case. So 20% down allows you to go for a 30 year amortization. Now, believe it or not, there still is an option with a few credit unions to go to 35 and some other lenders uh, to even go up to 40. But conventionally speaking for most banks and institutions, 30. So to get a 30 year amortization, you need to put 20% down. If you're putting 5% down, 25 is your number. That's one of the big reasons that people do 20 years, not necessarily just the CMHC and insurance uh, financing, is because when you go for 20% uh, down, that 30-year amortization stretches out your payment, which allows you to qualify for more uh, and increases the debt ratios that lenders allow, which basically just means you can qualify for a substantial amount more. Yeah, it's a absolute... It works wonders doing that 30 year amortization and showing people how much the, the qualification actually bumps up. And this is another thing we should bring up is, you know, a lot of people come to us, they have 10% down and, and maybe they're capped at 500,000, but it's not really working for them. We'll actually typically suggest, and it doesn't always work, but if they could borrow the extra 10% from family to get them to 20% down, you know, it doesn't have to be a gift necessarily. Um, you can work something out with your family to pay them back. But when you look at it's going to dramatically increase your qualification, which could get you into the property that you actually want. But at the same time, you could be saving a $20,000 CMHC mortgage insurance premium, right? So sometimes it's actually worth it to offer, you know, your family or parents a little bit of interest um, on that loan if you're taking it as a loan, um, because it's pretty dramatic savings and it'll dramatically bump up your uh, qualification. Yeah, conversely speaking, if you can get into the market, get in. But I agree a million percent. If you can get creative with family and they can help you through that process to getting into uh, getting into the home. I mean, we talk about it all day, all day long in our podcast. So hopefully this is, if this isn't your first episode or if this is your first episode, go back and check out some of the others where we talk about appreciation and what it means for you. Um, last one's a little bit of a tougher one to come up with a key number, but we wanted to just kind of discuss it as it pertains to like uh, a common family income um, that we see for a lot of people, which is how much is debt, how much does debt equal in the form of your mortgage. So for example, if you have a $500 car loan, what does that mean? Now, uh, again, depending on this, this is going to be a little bit harder because it depends on if you're putting 5% down with a 25 year mortgage or 20% down with a 30 year mortgage, if you make 65 grand or if you make 150 grand. So we just kind of throw out like a, a couple very basic numbers and keep in mind, it gets magnified if you put less down or your income is lower. So that's an important stat. So why don't you take it away, buddy? Yeah, so a car loan of a $500 a month would actually drop your qualification uh, by about $65,000. So that's 65,000 less of a mortgage. And that's based on a uh, household income of 100,000. So as Alex mentioned, that can change just depending on overall situation, other debts, amortization, down payment. Uh, but as you can see, that's fairly dramatic because you know you could realistically have $10,000 left on your car loan and the monthly payment's 500 bucks. So that's dramatically lowering qualification. Uh, and this is a big part of, you know, when we're doing a, a really thorough review, we're looking at opportunities to maybe lower your down payment a little bit and pay off that car loan, which is gonna boost qualifications. Yeah, no doubt. Remember that one, guys. And, and again, remember that this is a little bit unique to your scenario. We did a scenario where someone had 20% down to give you this number. If you're putting less than 20% down, that number is magnified or it could be magnified at least. Uh, additionally, 
if your income is less than the hundred thousand that we use there it could be a higher number as well conversely it could be lower all you all situations are unique but we thought we'd throw that out there that that sixty five thousand uh, dollars for for 500 bucks so pretty amazing um, if you think about it and uh, as I mentioned it could be even more and we're seeing a lot of these car loans these days are like 800 bucks thousand bucks or even more so we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars of, of mortgage money in in many circumstances there so um, as as always key numbers uh, important stats really 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 uh, stuff you need to dig into and know about whether uh, you're thinking about buying your first home or your 15th home in investment property. Um, you know, Derek, any parting thoughts or feedback on any of the numbers that we went over today or anything that's surprising or you know just new for a lot of people? Well, this is going to date us a bit, but September 30th is a new federal holiday and the banks and lawyers are not working. So if you're a realtor or a client and your purchase is closing on September 30th, you need to move that. Um, that is going to be an issue for a lot of people. So keep that top of mind. And then I think the only other parting thought is a lot of our clients going into variable. The payments are dramatically lower than what you're seeing on the fix. Like we talked about, you have the ability to increase your mortgage payments. So a lot of people are just matching their payment with the fixed. You're paying down a ton of principal, saving a ton of interest. And when rates start to rise, you can drop it back down. But you're just really, really hammering home, taking advantage of these really low rates while we have them. Yeah, that's one of our key and favorite strategies to talk about uh, with a lot of our clients. There's there's quite a few more where that came from. So if you're thinking about uh, buying or getting set up for your first investment consolidation, looking for someone to help out your clients, make sure to reach out to the team, uh, Dean, Derek, and myself at Thrive so we can take very good care of you. And if you enjoyed the episode, check out iTunes. Leave us that review. It is the, uh, the juice that keeps us going. We've had some great ones lately, guys. So appreciate you. Share this bad boy out there uh, everywhere. Um, like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. And we will see you guys next week. A boom. All right.